welcome to our talk show, Simply Healthy, Don't Make It Complicated. We're here on Word SBC 88.3 FM with producer Auntie Kay, where conversations come alive. I'm your host, Bridget Bastian, a.k.a. Lady B, and it's an absolute pleasure to have you join us today. So get ready for a thought-provoking and engaging experience as we dive into the depths of intriguing topics and connect with fascinating guests. And speaking of fascinating guests, we have in studio today Marisa Claire Wilson. Hello, everyone. Marisa, how are you feeling today? I am fine. Thank you. Excellent. So before we get into our topic, what's your grief? What's your grief? We're going to ask Miss Claire to give us a little about herself. Tell us who Marissa is. Well, um, I'm known as Marissa Claire Wilson, better known to the public as Auntie Reese. Auntie Reese. Auntie Reese, okay. yes. And previously, I was employed at Bahamas Academy, but now I'm at SBC, South mm -hmm. Bahamas Conference. Mm -hmm. As one of the newbies. Welcome. Thank you. In the accounting <laughs> department. Yes. Um, I have two children. I'm a single mom, two adult children. Mm -hmm. And I take care of my two aging parents. So oh. that's me in a nutshell. Oh, and I go to Hillview Church. Hey, Hillview, the big Hillview Church. That's All right. Big right. it up. Good stuff. So what's your grief today, Claire Wilson? Tell us, tell us a little about... What is actually? Let's start with what is grief. What is grief to you? All right. What is grief? Without having to look online to see what yeah. the definition is. <laughs> Personally, I think it's more than when somebody mourns the loss of someone. It, it is bigger than that. Mm -hmm. Whatever great loss you go through, yes. you definitely go through grief for that. Yes. So for grief, I would say a loss of something. True. Something that important. That is correct. You you are right on that. Mm -hmm. So, grief is a normal and necessary process, isn't it? Well, definitely because you go through loss and you need to learn how to deal with this loss that mm -hmm. you're going through. Mm -hmm. Mind you, I'm not an expert and still some things I can actually say that I'm grieving, yes. but you have to go through, through that grief, grieving process yes. in order to survive. So, grief is important. And, and it's funny that you said to survive. So how does one survive this grief if we find ourselves in it? Hmm. And sometimes we need to also figure out how long should we grieve for? Well, for different people, it, it, it differs. Uh -huh. For me, I have been through many stages of grief, <laughs> many situations that I was grieving and I'm now still grieving. So to put a timeline, there's no specific timeline for any one person. Wow. But I think the most important thing that we need to know is that you do have to go through this process of yes. grieving. Yes. And everyone, mm -hmm. they grieve differently. That is correct. So can you give us one of these uh, stories, one of okay. these, you know. What, stories what, that where I. Where you're grieving or grieved or you overcame this grief. like. Okay, for one. That I can bring to mind readily is I lost a baby. Oh. Yes. My baby was 12 days old, in wow. fact, when he died. Oh. But it, 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 every time I think about it, it makes me wonder 
why would God give me a child, one, and the child yeah, dies yeah. 12 days later? And then another thing, too, is because he was so young and I only had him for such a short period of time, mm-hmm. I did not feel that I bonded with this child. Yeah. And so for me, that was a part of my grief as well, not being able to bond with the child that wow. I carried for so long and held in my hand and was suckle. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So I sometimes think that I was at fault. Mm. You understand? So it was a lot of grief going on. And like I say, it, does, it, it doesn't matter. Sometimes you grieve longer than others. You don't have a timeline. Mm-hmm. And once in a while, his name is Tyrone. Oh, he comes to mind. <laughs> he comes to mind, and I still, every now and then, grieve because I imagine now he would be oh, he's between yeah. my two children, yeah. so he would have been an adult, yeah. and what he would have been able to do and all those different things. So I can truly say that sometimes I still grieve for him, okay. but it's not a crying session or right. sadness session. I just grieve knowing that I don't know what he could have turned out to be. Wow. But the good thing about this, though, is that that one day I know is going to be in heaven. Yes, indeed. So yes, that indeed. helps me to live okay. my life in a way that right. I will meet him again one day. So I imagine you went through a lot of probably anger. Um, you mean those those denial. steps of grief? Yeah, grief? steps of grief. Yes. Um, I can't really say because, like I said to you earlier, I didn't really bond. But I really believe I did go through the anger part because I wanted to know why this happened to me. Mm-hmm. And because I had another child, my oldest, my oldest daughter, I almost had to like put that on the side mm-hmm. and deal with her. So a lot of that was stored up in me yeah. until I guess later on in life when I realized that I was holding on to this for so long, I need to, to release. release it. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So it, in that time, did you have a support Network? Yeah. Um, I want to say, yes, I did have a support <laughs> network. But during that time, I internalized everything. I didn't speak or I didn't say much about it. Oh. You know, because I'm the type of person I don't like when people come and give their sympathies yeah, yeah. and all those different things. I don't know how to handle that well. And I always saw myself as a tough person. Mm. A person who hates Mm -hmm. with a passion to cry Mm -hmm. that I think for me, that looks like somebody who does not know how to deal. And so I didn't share my grief. I kept it to myself. But later on, I was able to share it with professionals. And so. Okay. And I can identify with that because I'm the same way. You don't, don't want like to let everybody mm-hmm, pitting right. me and touching me and hugging me. I'm like, you're gonna make me cry more. More exactly. Just leave me alone. Leave me be. Right. And, right. So that works for some people, but some people may actually need that hug. Yes, and that sympathy and how. Yeah, I don't need it. Yes. Just let me survive. I call True. it, and I will have my crying session or whatever <laughs> have you in private. I agree. And then when I come out in public, okay, you're let's, good. Let's go on. Yeah. So is it that? You would have one face to the public, and then when you get in your private You time. know me so well, <laughs> you know, and people would look at me and say, you know. You always bubbly, bubbly and uh-huh. stuff. Ah, there you go. <laughs> but, you know, when you are in your quiet moment, and like I say, I'm a single mom, so I'm not with another 
person or anything. Mm-hmm. So at night when you your mind starts to let yeah. go and you twirl and whatnot, mm-hmm. the only person who I can cry out to during those times is Jesus, and he's been my best friend. So when I'm at that point where I have to let go and let loose, it's me and him talking. And that's what brings me the most relief because, for one, He's not going to tell nobody else what's happening True. in my room. Yes. You know, he's nobody not go- else is going to know your secret. Nobody sacred. else nope. is going to know. Right. So I could cry in front of him and he's not going to judge me. Mm-hmm. That sort of thing. So I'm comfortable like that. And then after, you know, crying for two, three minutes, okay, that's enough. Now stop. <laughs> Let's move on. That's how I deal with that. Yes. You know, Psalms 34, 18 says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. So it's good that we can always call on him, cry to him, and you know, we don't have to feel ashamed or worry about what someone's going to say. Right. Because I remember when I was going through my experience when I was first diagnosed, um, I guess I went through a bit of grief because I went home and I lay in the bed for about two weeks, I would say. What? Two weeks, mm-hmm. and I just kept crying. I would not eat, none of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And no one could comfort me because, mm-hmm. you know, people will come, oh, it's okay. And you don't and want that. I'm like, have you ever had this? Did you, mm-hmm. were you there? Yeah. No, they have an experience, so they can't tell me anything. Right. But, you know, I had to snap out of it and be like, you know, okay, you did not get a death sentence. Let's just pick up ourselves and start over. Mm-hmm. So grief it, it hits a lot of us differently. It hits a lot of us hard because mm-hmm. grief can also cause mental health or physical health. Definitely, so. and I experienced that with um, my children, I should say, but not, not to a, a, a large extent. Mm-hmm. When their father died, who was my husband slash ex-husband, mm-hmm. um, I had two children by that time. Mm-hmm. Lawan and John, my children, mm-hmm. and I think it hit Lawan harder yeah. mm-hmm. because she was older. Right. John was still in elementary, so he didn't quite understand. He didn't quite right, yeah. right. And so I had to get her help, and I'm glad I did okay. because it made a big difference where she could talk. She didn't have to talk to me, right. but she spoke to the therapist, and they were able to let her know it's not her fault. But my mistake was. I didn't do that for John as well. Because mm-hmm. we think children at that early age, they bounce back. Mm-hmm. That's not always the case. Okay. So you, you mentioned that your daughter had to go to a therapist. How, <laughs> when did you know that she needed to see a therapist? Um, she was a student at Bahamas Academy. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking she probably was like grade six, grade seven, around that transitional age. And you saw signs and stuff yes. that she needed to? Yeah. She, it, it was like... At school, she could not stop the tears. Oh. Right. And, you know, people will come or, like, a teacher will come and say, LaVon was crying again in class, that sort of thing. And I know that's not my daughter. That's not her personality. So she would just be in class and just break down crying? Mm-hmm. Yes. And at the time, there were several of her classmates who had a close relative that died. So it was almost like when oh, one started to cry, yeah. the other one <laughs> yeah. would start to cry. Oh, wow. So I figured, Mm-mm, this is not going to work. I need to get her help. And mind you. I was grieving, mm-hmm. but like I say, I put my own on the side. You gotta be there and be I strong for my your children. children. Yes. Definitely. Yes. So I took her and she got her help and she was fine. And it wasn't until my son became a teenager where I realized the mistake in not letting him go as well. Right. But um, thank God through a mother's prayer. And I always said them yes. a mother's prayer. Indeed. Yeah. I Indeed think they they both have healed over the years. Okay. And I'm sure they still have their times when they think about their dad and they miss their dad and that sort of thing. But I'm thinking they have grown and so they're now better able to handle okay. their grief. 
So what what are some things that that were done in order to f- for her to overcome this grief? Like I know for me, you know, for some of us we'll go shopping or <laughs> you know do something that we love to do to get you know keep our brain and occupied. What I think for her during that age, she had a close knit friends. Good. And they were always there with her. They had yes. her back, whatever. Yes. They were always there with her. So I think that helped her a lot. Whereas John, John was more reserved, yeah. more inward. So, yeah. right. So there's a difference in there. And you mentioned earlier about your grief when you had your prognosis or your mm-hmm. diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I went through a similar situation. But for me, I didn't grieve. No. Over, not at all. So when they gave me, you know, my diagnosis. What happened? Like honestly, when they gave me my diagnosis, the first thing that came out of my mouth to the, doc- to the doctor was, "Okay, so what's next?" Oh, I wish I could have said that. Uh, that's why we said grief is different, different. for people. F- for me, that was like, "Okay, let's do what we have to do." And to this day, um, when I go and get my test and whatnot, and there's something quote unquote wrong, I'm like, "Okay, so what's Listen, next?" I need that. <laughs> I need that because I'm like, oh, gosh, I'm going to die right now. Somebody please, okay, what do I have to do? I need to get myself an order. Right. And I so, will cry for this. No, for me, that that wasn't it for me. I think my grief came or comes to me when I see, like, a close family member going through some struggle that I can't help. Oh. Like, like I said, okay, so now I'm going through the grief of taking care of aged parents and seeing... Okay you know, what they go through, mm-hmm. and I'm not able to help like how I would want feel to help. Helpless. I feel helpless. So what could we yeah, do? What could we do? So the only thing I do, like I tell you, me and Jesus, That's we right. talk all the time, and I guess you can say he tells me what to do, mm-hmm. and he tells me um, how to deal with it, that sort of thing. So in the night when I'm in my <laughs> room by myself and we are talking and whatnot, he gives me that comfort that I need with my grief. Listen, we see I'm not like you because I'm like, Lord, you sure? Like, what are we doing here? Why me? What's, what's going on? Come mm-hmm. on up. What have I done? Right. <laughs> you know, I don't yeah. smoke. I don't drink. I don't. So why is this happening to why? me? Why? So I, I I, think I'm still there trying to deal with this grief sometimes. So mm-hmm. It comes in spurts. like. Right. It does. It yeah. does. And um, my comfort is knowing. And I do ask questions sometimes, too, as to why. Mm-hmm. And he always comes back and tells me, I have a story to tell. And I am I made it a point earlier in my life, like maybe like five, six years ago, that whatever it is I'm going through, mm-hmm. if he wants me to tell the story, okay. I will tell the story, which is why I'm telling the story today. <laughs> I appreciate that. I, I don't know. I, I need to get that. You need to tell me how to do this because <laughs> I will cry like a baby for oh, wow. every time. Even now when I go for my test, I'm afraid to get the results. By the way, I need to go and get a checkup right now, which mm-hmm. I haven't done yet. Don't be like me, folks. Go and get your checkups. Find things out early. Simply healthy. Simply healthy, and it's not complicated. It's not. <laughs> right. Man, we see. So I... I you need to tell me that's that's it for your grief. Your um... no, like I said, you know, we, we grieve in different ways. Or I could remember, I don't know. I think I told the story before of when I was given that diagnosis, mm. and I decided, okay, so I have to now 
backtrack and mm-hmm. get healthy again. And okay. I went to UG Pines. So and you went to UG Pines? Twice. Oh, wow. Twice. Our um, Adventist institution. Yes, and okay. it was lovely. So I encourage anybody to go to UG Pines who can afford it and, and yes. can go. Yes. But the second time when I went was the eye-opener for me mm-hmm. when I realized that the grief was still there because, you know, like we survive or we try to make it where we store things yeah. to survive. Like mm-hmm. I said, I have two children who I had to take care of. And even though now my children are adults, I still have that maternal instinct. Anything they need, I try to oh, take care of. of and so I have to be the strong yes. one. <laughs> You know, make sure that they're taken care of. And then now if my parents have to be the strong one. The stronger one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so when I went to UG Pines and we were having a session and I don't know what it was. They asked the question. I was in the room along with my therapist and and I said to her, oh, no, man, I store all those things in a box in my mind. And she said, well, you have to open Open. the box. (laughs) Release. And I'm like, no, ma'am. No ma'am. Keeping that there. Yes, that no. that was in a safe space. That you know all those turmoils and things that I had to go through. That I had to box it up and hide that away and cover it up because life, I had to deal with life, and that's what I did. And she's like, "No, you have to open that box." I said, "Mom, if I open that box, I will go crazy in this place." <laughs> and what she said to me blew me. She was like, "What better place?" To go crazy than where we're here okay, to help you, but right. of course I still didn't do it. <laughs> no, we see, no, ma'am, because I knew I had some idea what was in the box, and I did not want to open the box. But anyhow, through prayer, they would come to me every evening and pray and and ask God to help me to release and open this box and whatnot. Long story short, one day I went walking because they would encourage you to walk. Yes, I remember that. I went there. And so Mm -hmm. I went walking. And as I was walking back to the building, Jesus said, we see, you need to open this box. You know, I literally heard him saying that. Did you listen to that voice? I did. Okay, good. I did. (laughs) And so we went back and they had another session where this lady came in. She was speaking to us and she was telling a story. And I'm there fighting. This mm. urge to open this box because I don't know what's what in this happen? box. Yeah. And when I they ask at the end, is there anybody who wants to say anything? Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, the Holy Spirit nudging me. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, Reese. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> and so, you know, you take a deep breath and you be like, <sighs> don't be do soft. Yeah. Don't cry, Reese. Just tell them what's on their mind. I think that's another reason why we don't like to open those boxes. Because we know it's going to make it. Yeah. And I don't. Like all kind of emotions are gonna flow. So I stood up and I spoke, and the box was open, and Mm. I could see words coming out of the box. It wasn't nothing; it was just letters coming out that formed words. Mm -hmm. And the first word that came out was guilt. Wow! And when I processed that, it 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 turned out that I felt guilty that I wasn't good enough Mm. to help my parents. Mm. I wasn't good enough to help my children. And so I kept all that mm-hmm. and all the grief after the loss of my son, the grief of my children and me losing their dad, mm-hmm. you know, all those things. It was like they were stored. Wow. And so, lot. yes, I had a whole lot. And so I had to bring all those. And then being diagnosed and not knowing what's going to happen next, all that was stored. And that was me trying to survive. That was my method of 
grieving yeah. by storing it all yeah. right there, saving that until I can let it out. But I let it out at UG Pine. Okay, so. that's good because yeah. they always tell us we're not supposed to hold things in so much. You know, mm-hmm. it's not good for your health. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, 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 just for the mere fact that I don't like to cry. <laughs> I'm the strong one, and I always thought that was my personality or whatever. So whenever I start thinking about it, and your eyes start to, to well up, mm-hmm. I suck it up, you see, suck it up, <laughs> and I start that again, and I don't move on, and I, you know, but that's not healthy, no, like you not. say. We have to find ways to let it out. And my brother, my baby brother Frederick, he called me one day. Um. I was really, really, really low, and I was thinking it is so much on my plate right now. Mm-hmm. I'm not able to deal with it, and that's grief as well. But you can't mm-hmm. handle it. I'm losing control over yeah. what's happening in my life. Mm-hmm. And he was like, "You need to just let go and and cry." And I'm like, "Nobody wants to get crying." So there was nobody else you spoke to other than the folks at UG Pines. Mm, nobody else not- you. Um, lean on, confide in. Well, um, sometimes I speak to my sister, Monique. I call her my rock. Okay, there but, you go. But listen, mm-hmm. Monique is the one who likes to cry. <laughs> so the two of y'all. Right, so we can't have the two of us crying. So, you know, she's my rock. So I tell her a lot of things. And my children. Okay. I confide in my children as well. Okay. And I have an open relationship with them. I tell them you everything. Okay. Right, because you because you know you don't want them to go through the same things that you mm-hmm. went through. So you try to warn them, and you mm-hmm. try to talk to them, and you try to be open with them. Mm-hmm. And that's how I think too. Mm-hmm. I survive because I have that strong family network right. that there's someone who I can go through, even though I don't do it all the time as often as I should. But I know they're there. Mm-hmm. They're there to listen. They're there to give advice. They're there to help me through it. It's just me now. Going to them, I have to learn that because that's not easy for me. No, it's, uh, I understand that completely because I can't really tell you who I talk. Well, now that I'm married, I talk to my husband. See, a lot. nah, yeah. see, I don't have that husband <laughs> a lot to talk to. So I talk to the children and I talk to Jesus. That's me. I can't get better than Jesus. <laughs> and and you talking to them, it 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 helps them to be able to open up more to you when they have their struggles. Right. Because right. you don't want them to be sitting in the classroom and just crying, you know, or right. sitting amongst their friends and just break out crying. Right. And my children take after me as well. I, I see it, I mean, so blatant. Mini-me's. They, unless you go in and talk and talk and pull and, mm-hmm. and you know, with them, struggle with them, then they will tell you. But if otherwise... They keep, they keep it in. into them, and I'm like, no. And they, and I'm, I'm guessing they're looking at me and saying, "Mommy, you are you, one to talk." Yeah, <laughs> that's real, just like you. You're doing the same thing. So that make it easier for us to talk to one another because we are alike. And uh-huh. so I know when she, Lavon is going through struggles or John is going through something, he's gonna be quiet about it. And in their time, mm-hmm. they'll come and they'll let me know. You know, okay. it makes it easier. Um, you mentioned going to Yushi Pines twice. What made you go back the second time? The first time I went when I was not feeling well. and Feeling well as in? Physically. Okay. Right. It wasn't for any diagnosis or? No, I just was not feeling well, okay. and I knew something was wrong, okay. and I went to several doctors, and the most that they can tell me is I have fibromyalgia. Okay. Oh. And I researched, of course, YouTube mm-hmm. and that. And I found out what it was, and I was like, oh, yeah. Okay, so I have this fibromyalgia now. 
what am I going to do about it? So, of course, I know the health life mm -hmm. is the best life, mm -hmm. but I needed that jump start. Okay. And that's why I went the first time. Mm -hmm. And when I went and they did blood tests and they mm -hmm. did all these different things, they came back and they said, something else is wrong. Oh. And because, you know, you're only there for a certain amount of time, right. they wanted me to stay longer, and I said, I have to go back to work and those things. And so she said, when you go back, go back to your physician and give him these results and let him do other tests and whatnot. Oh. So when I went home and I showed them my results and they did a dray load of different tests as well, mm -hmm. that's when they found um, the mask. And, you know, so they had to go in and probe and take on and whatnot. And after they took it out, mm -hmm. they found out that it was cancerous. Wow. And so that's when I tell you now, me and Jesus was best friend. Me and wow. Jesus, when I was in my nursing home, I was doing the COVID time, doing uh -huh. a little after COVID. And I'd be in my room, you know, you couldn't get visitors or yeah, those sort of things. Yeah. So I had two chairs in my room. And so every morning I would wake up and I would look to one chair. That was God the Father. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. And then sitting on my bed, mm -hmm. God the Son. All right. Mm -hmm. And in the next chair, God the Holy Spirit. Fully equipped. Do you understand? Oh, and man. that's how I got through that process. Oh. You know, so, and then afterwards they came back and they said, it was cancer and you need to wow. do, you know, um, radiation. Oh, you did radiation? Yeah. yeah. I was, did you do chemo? No. no. Okay. No. <laughs> And so, you know, that's what I went through. And what made me realize that having my relationship with God would bring me through all of this grief mm -hmm. is when they did the surgery, or they tried to do the surgery the first time, because I'm an adult asthmatic patient, oh. I went in full-blown asthma attack while I was under. No. So they had to stop. Oh, wow. <laughs> they had to stop <laughs> and bring me back and whatnot. I was like in the icy room area for several hours well. Oh, my goodness. Right. And so when I came back, oh, and I was thinking, you know, the surgery finished and done because... Yeah, what do you oh, okay. <laughs> and they told me that it didn't happen. I was like, oh, okay. And like I said, the next question was, so when are we going to do it again? I had no stress, no... In fact, the physician, when he came into the room, you could see on him, it's like he don't know how he's going to tell me, you know, it didn't go through. But when he did tell me, I said, don't worry about that. When we do it a second time, it'll be okay. And wow. just that, you know, comfort him mm -hmm. to let him know that, you know, because some people will carry on and be upset and don't want to go to. Mm -mm. Mm -hmm. That's me. That's me. That's yeah. me. <laughs> Why are you talking about me? That's me. <laughs> so, yeah. So that's how I was able to deal with my grief. Only because I know I had the three heads in my room. God the Father, mm. God the Son, mm. God the Holy Ghost. Jesus is my best friend. That That is an excellent note to end on. And that's that's what we want to tell our listeners. If you have no support or nobody else to talk to, mm -hmm. talk to Jesus. He's always there for you. So today you, you, you look healthy, you look fine, you're still bubbly. You're doing good now, right? You, you still have little challenges, I Oh, assume. definitely. The but challenges are there, and I think those challenges will always be there. But other than that, yes, I'm doing good. Excellent. Well, we have come to the end of our show, and I want to thank you for tuning in. And I also say thank you to you, our guest, Marissa Claire Wilson, for sharing with us today. Remember to tune in Mondays from 9 to 9.30 a.m., 1 to 1.30 p.m., and 7.30 to 8 p.m. There's also a rebroadcast on Wednesdays at 9 to 9.30 a.m. And then again on Friday from 3 to 3.30 p.m. So until next time, stay curious, stay informed, and keep the conversation alive. And remember, 
It's not complicated. It's simply healthy. I'm Lady B. This is Word SBC 88.3 FM. Word SBC 88.3 FM is a listener-supported station. In order to improve our services and continue the work of taking the gospel across the airwaves, we wish to partner with you. If you feel impressed to contribute to this work with your financial support, we invite you to give us a call at 341-4021 or by emailing atbbahamas at gmail.com. You can help the word be a lamp and light in a dark world. We look forward to partnering with you. Say it with me, forward, upward, onward, together. When asked, am I proud to be a Bohemian? My answer is yes. Think about it. Just the color of our flag says it all. Black represents the strength and unity of our people. Aquamarine are beautiful blue waters. And gold that represents the warm welcoming sun that people love to come to our country for. Delicious food, awesome culture, caring people, sun, sand, and sea. I am proud to be a Bahamian. With all our islands and keys, we have something special for everyone. We are surrounded by paradise. March on, Bahamaland. Lift up your heads as we raise our flag proudly to the sky. Happy Independence, Bahamas. Hey guys, I'm Tyler. And I'm Pastor Nasa. And we're coming to you with a new youth talk show called Young and Trending, where we aim to be bold, be true, and be heard. Whoa, 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 Tyler. I appreciate you, <laughs> and I'm going to let you finish. But we air every Tuesday at 6 to 6.30 p.m. with rebroadcasts every Wednesday and Friday at 3.30 to 4 p.m. Yep, you heard that correctly. Listen to us here on Word SBC 88.3 FM. <laughs> 